We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of Striping Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, and BetOnline.ag. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. And joining me tonight... As always, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric freaking Crocker. What's up, man? What's up? What's up, man? What's up? Yo, yo, yo. Wow. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> we haven't, obviously, they don't hear us like, come on. But, you know, once I um, click into the link to come on to the podcast, I always go, yo, yo, yo. And then Rob will respond with something like that and some... Uh, Turn his hair, headphones up and stuff like that. I'll be, I'll, I'll be like, yo, 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 I, I, where's my snare? I, <laughs> I got no snare in my headphones. <laughs> so we do all kinds of dumb stuff here on Striking Gold that you guys have no idea about, and it's probably better off staying that way. <laughs> right, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got, I got no snare in my headphones. So, um, But anyways, what's up, folks? Welcome back. Um, today is going to be an interesting day because today is our fool's gold episode where we will spend the vast majority of this podcast. I'm giving you forewarning in case you just want to click out now. 
Um, we will spend the vast majority of this podcast talking about things that have absolutely nothing to do with football. So um, if, if you are just, you are hell bent. One of our listeners is just hell bent on receiving their 49ers news right now, then this is not the place. So we, we will briefly recap kind of the things that have happened since we've last been on here. But like I said, that'll be very quick. And the majority of this episode is going to be revolving around whatever questions you guys send us, which, and I know me and Crocker mentioned this, wasn't enough. We have enough. We will be able to talk for this entire podcast about these questions. But with with the way our listeners are on Striking Gold and how they're always kind of hitting us up and making random comments on, on Twitter and stuff, I figured we would have just a ton of questions for this pod. And we had way less than we thought. So Crocker and I, like our egos are a little damaged right now. We're a little hurt. You know, I, like I, I just don't understand where, where, where everybody was at. You guys didn't show up for those of you that did, you know, thank you. You're appreciated, but it was a little disappointing. Isn't that what you said? Didn't you mention that before the pod? Yeah. I was like, dang, we didn't really get many, many questions. And even when I tweeted it out today, um, I actually got zero questions. So, yeah, I was like, oh, wow, okay. Now I understand that times are weird. The sky is on fire. You know, people are still doing the COVID thing. And, you know, there's way, way, way more serious things going on right now than our questions. But we still expected y'all to come through. And like I said, we still have enough to get through the pod. We still have some good questions. But it was a little disappointing. I thought we'd, like, have too many you know, and that wasn't the case. So y'all need to straighten up and lock in because we have high ex- expectations for our listeners here. And uh, I know y'all will be out there listening. I see the numbers. So make sure that next time we do this, which probably won't be for a while, we're about to hit the 2020 regular season. But, yeah. you know, remember this. You, you're talking um, about the sky being on fire. It, does it look like that out in the Fresno or Fresno area? Yes, everything is like the sky is like either brown, orange, or red, depending on the time of day. Wow. The the sky you can't really you can see the sun, but it's just like kind of clouded out. You know, it's like real red because if you didn't know this, all of the uh, the colors in the spectrum they all have the uh, and like they all have their own abilities to like some colors aren't very good at traveling through debris. You know, think of like if you kicked a bunch of dust up. But and then you, there was like a rainbow behind the dust. You're not going to be able to see all the colors the same because some of the colors on the spectrum are not as good as penetrating, you know, like dust. That's why why when the sun sets, it looks real, real red because red is one of the best colors at penetrating through everything in the atmosphere. So that's why when all the, all the smoke is in the air, the sun, even the moon was red. Like it was like a blood moon, like this morning. When the moon was still up, it was red because of all the dust. So uh, it's been weird, man. And it's the fire from my place is I could get to the fire in like 20 minutes. Wow. You know, like it, it's just the way Fresno sits, you know, it's just right below the mountains. And I can get to where maybe, maybe, maybe 25, I, I could get to where it's burning relatively quick. You can, you can, I can't see the flames because, you know, there's a few kind of sets of hills in between me and them, but it's, it's, dude, it's crazy right now. I have, I know plenty of people that have been evacuated. Um, 
you know, and some people who have who have lost their homes and stuff like that. So it's getting it's getting wild. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously, I don't know. You know. I haven't been there. I just see what I see on like you know social media and stuff, and and few of my people's Instagram uh, shots, and and I had. Like I, I was showing someone that I work with, I was like, "Man, like, look at this guy in California." And she was like, "Is that, is that like real? Is it, or is it like, you know, are they using, uh, what are they called? You know, uh, when you filters? Check, filters. No, yeah. Just looks like, like, she was like, yeah. Are, are they using like filters? I'm like, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, no, it's, we have clear skies out here, so like to see everybody's pictures look like super orange and they kind of like look like really edited it, it just looked really strange and kind of kind of eerie yeah me and my family were supposed to uh get on a train on saturday and just do like a day trip up in san francisco and we just called it off because everything's just so gross there right now like like the air everywhere is just everything's brown and nasty and you know like everything's orange and red and it's just like it's just not pleasant right now it almost looks like the best way I can describe it is like it just all, it looks like it's constantly overcast, but it's more of a brown than a gray. So how, how would that affect the game as far as like the the air quality? Is there could be? I saw someone on Twitter say the air quality isn't bad; it just looks weird. That's what they said with the way that they measure it. I think it was in like the in like the sixties on, on whatever scale they use, and for the game to be canceled, it would have to be like above two hundred. Yeah. So it's it's not really close, but that can kind of change depending on what the winds do and what kind of stuff gets pushed into your area. Um, like we, I was actually supposed to start my middle school's football season. We were supposed to start start like kind of like a football camp, and you know these are with all kinds of COVID guidelines and stuff like that. Um, but that was supposed to start this week, but the the air is so bad that we we couldn't start. So. It's it's wild, man. I mean, if it's not one thing, it's the other with 2020. And I know that's kind of become like a, a constant joke, but it's, I mean, it's crazy. This year has just been wild. So, anywho, um, to run through our 49ers news, we still want to give you what's important. We're not going to leave you hanging if, if this is your source. Um, just to run through some quick news, obviously, since we were last here, the 49ers um, established their 53-man roster for the – it was 52 at the time because Fred Warner was on the COVID list. Um, but he just got activated today. So now the 49ers have established their 53 man roster. Um, as far as our predictions, both of both Crocker and I were very, very close. Um, I think each of us was only off by like one or two people. I know I had Dion Jordan making my 53 and he didn't make the 53. And now he's one of the veterans on the practice squad and Crocker had them keeping an extra DB and, and they didn't end up doing that. And so we were, we were off by literally like one or two people. Right. Uh, Fowles. Uh, yeah. Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, yeah. I think his name is. Which who, who could have predicted that? I mean, like, right, unless right. you saw like, uh, unless you were at practice and you just really saw him in the rotation or, you know, training uh, preseason games, which there weren't that any of those, like there was no way to predict that Flanagan Fowles would make the roster over someone like Jamar Taylor who was running with the ones while, you know, in the slot while Kelwan Williams was out. So, yeah, that's that's right. where I went wrong. But as far as, like, the general, you know, for lack of a better term, like the meat of the roster, everything is kind of what everybody expected. There weren't really any, like, oh, my goodness, you know, surprises or anything. Um, 
So there's, and you know, and Fred Warner, like I said, he uh, he was on the COVID list. They, they they haven't really said if he had it or just was in contact with someone with it. Um, he was on the on the reserve list for nine days, so that kind of leads me to believe maybe he had it and he had to wait for it to go away. Um, but that, I don't want to speculate on that. I certainly don't know, and you know, it's, it's when it comes to medical stuff, it's probably not a good idea to speculate. But um, and uh, I mean, another newsworthy thing is, uh, I mean, uh, Debo Samuel, wide receivers Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are seem like they're slowly making their comeback. It seems like both of them are kind of ready to start being eased back into practice. Uh, neither of them practiced today on, which is a Wednesday, but uh, the, it was it was something Kyle Shanahan kind of acknowledged was an option. Like it was a possibility. They didn't end up practicing. Today is Wednesday. Yeah, they didn't practice today. I, I don't know if they're going to play. I, was, right. I don't know why it, I was thinking today was Tuesday and, you know, tomorrow in my head was going to be Wednesday. And, you know, that would be like the first official day that uh, teams usually practice. You know, they practice uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then, you know, you have like a little walkthrough. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're going to play if they, if they didn't practice today, I, I would assume, but yeah, I could be. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think that's a safe assumption. And, uh, you know, and that's obviously a big loss for the 49ers as far as, you know, their capabilities. But at the same time, these are guys that haven't been practicing and you and the guys who they who are critical to the success of the team throughout the long haul of the season. So um, you're, it's not something you want to just rush them back into. You could risk further injuries. Debo Samuel could re-injure his broken foot. Brandon Ayuk could, could re-pull his hamstring. And these are injuries, both of those, that would add you know, weeks or, or months, you know, in Debo Samuel's case to their return timeline. So it's, they're just not something you mess around with. And, you know, especially when it comes to two players that, like I said, are going to be crucial towards your, your success this season. Um, when you and, and, you know, like this and you have two receivers that aren't going to be, you know, playing that were pegged to be like the guys, you know, you look to other guys to have to step up. And this is just a time where it's like, all right, Kendrick Bourne, all right, Dante Pettis, like, is is your show, you know, as, as far right. as the receiver position goes. And two guys who have, um, you know, excelled in their roles at different points in time. Um, obviously, Kendrick Bourne played very well in his role last year. Uh, the year before, Dante Pettis, you know, finished his rookie year strong in his role. So now they have an opportunity to go out there, you know, if – Obviously, if Ayuk and Debo don't play or start, um, they both have an, uh, they have a, an opportunity to say like, yeah, like you know, I, I belong, you know, I belong in the rotation, I belong uh, on this field, I should get my targets because they're going to be a big part of it. You you can't just rely on George Kittle to win you know, every single matchup, every single play, you know, or, you know, even Jordan Reed, like you need your outside guys to play well. And this is a huge opportunity for both of those guys to show that, you know, they, they, they belong on the field. Yep. We'll see. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a, and, and I think to Crocker's point, that's a, it is a good point. It's like, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of a proving ground this week. One might be for the receivers that aren't necessarily, kind of considered the starters going forward, but can make their case for having a bigger role 
as as the team moves on. So, I, I mean, I kind of like that way of looking at it and the fact that, of course, it's the regular season. You know, we don't need to have guys still trying to prove themselves when, it, when every win counts. But at the same time, you know, that's just the 49ers, the position the 49ers are in. And if, you know, if you have to, you have to look at it a certain way that I, I kind of like looking at it like that. So, yeah. Well, if you, you think, think about it like this, if, if Debo and Ayuk were never hurt, would Pettis or Bourne have this opportunity? I think Ayuk and Debo would be the starters and they get a majority of the snaps, right? Right. So, yeah. you know, this, this is their big chance to, to really show they have an opportunity. And, you know, they just have to really take advantage of it. Yep. Anyways, I don't want to say anymore because this is our uh, our Fool's Gold episode. So that's about as – I mean, I don't really necessarily think there's anything significant on the 49ers side of things that must be said. I'm kind of like just glancing over the headlines real quick to make sure, but I think we're good. I think that's the majority of it. Um I'm not sure if we're going to do it tomorrow or or Friday or whatever. I know, um, but me and Crocker still need to get on here and preview Sunday's matchup, Week One against the Cardinals. Right. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see when we do that. But so to, if you are craving the uh, the standard 49ers structure podcast, it's still going to come this week. So hang with us. Anyways, all right, let's do this. All right, fool's gold. Let's let's get into this. Okay. So again, these are questions that we asked you guys to supply to us that have. Nothing to do with football, okay? That was the that was the criteria because we realized in the beginning of podcasts we would always just start rambling off about random things about either of us and thought maybe it would be cool to to have an, an entire episode. And, and we had people hitting us up on Twitter saying, you know, that that heard kind of the random things and then they have a question about it. So now we, you know, it turned into a podcast idea. So question number one, we're starting this off right now. And me and Crocker have not... We, I mean, we've probably seen the questions, but we have not talked about our answers. We have not discussed any of this. I have not tried to think of the answers beforehand so that we could be well-rehearsed and well-read. Didn't do any of that. This is all off the cuff. So you guys are hearing 100% legitimate, unfiltered Crocker and Rob right now. So question number one is from um, a good friend of mine, Andrew, who is a regular listener of the pod, our current fantasy football league champion who beat me in the championships last year. Um, horrible game. Both of our teams had all kinds of injuries. It was like, it was just the worst, but so his question is if you could only eat four things for the rest of your life, what are you choosing? And he says, you can't be super broad. Like you can't just say Italian food. That doesn't count. So, I know when I mentioned this earlier, Crocker, because I, I, the only reason I mentioned it is because you hadn't seen that question. Right. What What do you think would, I mean, what do you think your four things would be? Who, okay, so definitely, you know, pancakes or waffles. I, either one I can eat, you know, forever. All right, so that, that's one thing. Uh, two, pizza. So I, I, I love pizza, and I, I'd say... Mm, pizza with pepperoni, sausage, and pineapple. That's like, oh, dude, you're a pineapple guy. Yeah. Oh, whoa, dude, we are we are best friends, bro. We are just oh, yeah, so close. Of course, you. I am. Everybody yeah. should be pineapple on their pizza. Like, yeah. to me, it's like 
there's so many times, so many things out there that are like sweet and salty, so good. This is sweet and salty, you know, chocolate covered pretzels, so good. And then they're like, I don't want pineapple on my pizza. I'm like, it's sweet and salty and it's incredible. Like, <laughs> why is this a mystery? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so, and then that was three things, right? Or was that two? Yeah, three. I said, well, yeah. Wait, no, two, right? Two. Because yeah. I said, Waffles, pancakes, I, I count either or. Mind. Yeah. Right. Correct. Uh, pizza, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm really a, like a hot dog person. And I'm trying Me to too, think bro. of things that I, I could eat, you know, like I could eat this for the rest of my life. But I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to say corn dogs. Because I do Woo! love corn dogs. And, and, yeah, then the last, and then the last thing, peanut butter and jelly. Like if I nice. had peanut butter and jelly, pizza, corn dogs, and uh, 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 waffles or pancakes, and like those are the four things I had to like eat for the rest of my life, I, I'd be fine. Now my health might take a big hit, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't get tired of it. Nope. Okay. No, those are good. Those are good examples. And what's funny is you're gonna see the difference in how we approach this because remember last time how we were talking about whether or not I could cook. That's how I looked at this. I was thinking about this as if almost like ingredients. So the first three that I came up with are um, potatoes. Mm. Just straight up potatoes, because I can make a lot of things out of potatoes. Potatoes, eggs, because I love eggs in the morning, too. Like, mm -hmm. trying to think of, like, a meal. Uh, beef would be my third one, so that I could try and cook that into whatever I wanted to cook it into. If I couldn't, mm -hmm. if I had to be more specific than beef, even though bacon's not beef, I would go bacon, because bacon is, like, the best thing ever. You know, but right now, I've got... Eggs, beef, and what was my other one? Eggs. Didn't I get three? You said eggs. You said beef. And then maybe maybe bacon would be the third one, even though you can't really make a whole lot of things out of that. It's just fucking good, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I think the last one, just to get silly, I think my last one, because I would just hate not having a life without dessert, I think I'd go pumpkin pie. Like pumpkin I love, pie? I love pumpkin pie. And like, we just got a Costco pumpkin pie like a week ago with some whipped cream and man, that it is so good. Like it's just a good dessert. And if, yeah. if I couldn't, if, if I had to be more like specific, I'd probably just go with milk. Even though you can't eat milk, but you could definitely make a milk? lot of things that you eat out of it. I'm talking about it as an ingredient. Maybe I'm being way too, you know, I'm being way too focused about this. But I'm talking about it because it would be an ingredient, but you can't eat it. So that kind of goes against Andrew's question. Yeah, but, well, I feel like if it if it were something that needed milk, like say like cereal. If you say like, oh yeah, cereal is one of my things, like I think that automatically Yeah, I agree. Milk. I agree. I agree. So that's what I mean, but I mean there's I could probably come up with some other things, but I think that's what I'm gonna stick with for and if I had to be more specific, like if someone was like, Well, you gotta think of something that you make out of beef, I'd be like, Okay. A bacon cheeseburger because I love bacon cheeseburgers. I could eat burgers anytime. I really think my, yeah. my list is better than yours, but. I think your list is way more like what the question was was hoping to get. But I'm over here like thinking <laughs> like I'm on a desert island and I have to survive. And I have to like cook. And I have to cook things. Like I want some 
some ingredients that are going to be able to make me some meals. Like I can make baked potatoes. I can make hash browns, you know, and everything, you know, I can make that, chips. That's really cheating though, because he said you have to be specific. Well, I mean, a potato is specific. No, that's but a, you can't say one like, thing. I can make potatoes. I can make hash browns. I can make like, I, like, I think that's kind of cheating. It's true. It is. It is. Okay. So if I had to just really quickly adjust my list, I'd probably go with, and, and I'm not taking health or survival into account anymore. Okay. I'm going bacon. Okay. Here we go. No, since, okay. I'm going to take bacon away. I'm going to go with bacon cheeseburgers because I'll still get some bacon on the cheeseburger. All yeah, right. There you go. But it's very specific. Yeah. I like that. Right. So bacon cheeseburgers. I'm still going to keep that too. Like, oh, yeah, I, I, right. that's, that's one that I probably could have on my list. Seriously. That's one of my favorite things. Anytime I go like to a restaurant, it's typically I'm ordering a, a bacon cheeseburger. I know, so, dude. I will go to restaurants that like have like really exotic food and like stuff meals that they're known for, and I'm immediately flipping to like the cheeseburgers, the hamburgers, <laughs> or the pizzas. I'm like, and they're like, "This is a seafood place, sir," and I'm like, "I'll have the pepperoni pizza." <laughs> hey, you know, um, not to get off subject, but. Have you had like Red Robin? They they have some really good like bacon burgers and they have like the Dude, Red fries. Robin is one of the best burger places you can go. Yeah, and it's like, not they like have super like, expensive. No, they have a black and blue burger where it's a bacon burger with blue cheese on it and like mm-hmm. mushrooms and it's like whoo. Yeah. So okay, so bacon cheeseburger. I'm still gonna go with pumpkin pie because it's like my favorite dessert. Um, um I'd probably do um, let me see here. Probably go with like some type of seafood. Like I really like shrimp, you know, like it depends. I mean, if you, pre- you can prepare it different ways, but I really like shrimp and at least I, I mean, be kind of healthy. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I think you did a lot better at that question than I did because I was just thinking of it like shit. I have to survive. I have to only eat these things forever. I, I need to choose things that I can make many different things out of. And like, you know, I'm like, I'm like preparing for like the apocalypse and I only get these four things. But I think yours was a little more, a little more entertaining. PB&J is really good. There's got to be something else out there that I like crave. But I'll, I'll go. If I think of something as we go, I'll just randomly interrupt. <laughs> so, so, um, okay, let me, let me, okay, now I'm on Twitter. I've got these questions in front of me. We're going to start hitting them. Okay. Here's the first one, and this is this is obviously solely intended for me. Um, it's by it's from Anthony Rios at Ant Rios three three three. How many wins do you have in Warzone, and what's your go to strategy and loadout, <laughs> and what do I have to do to run a game with you, Anthony? You can run a game with me anytime, man. Just hit me up at me on Twitter. Um, I'll, I'll give you my little Warzone tag or whatever, and, and we'll run a game, man. I'm not I'm not stingy. Um, I saw you carrying your squad. I saw you carrying Mostert, and I think it was like uh, Colbert or you know. Whoever yeah, no, it was uh, Mike Davis. Yeah, Mike uh, Davis. You kind of carried them a little bit. I, I saw that. Me and my buddy Tony, um, he's a good friend of mine. We're we're both pretty good. We're both kind of equal in skill level. And I think in that game, I had twenty one kills. Tony had nineteen, and then Mike Davis had ten, and uh, Raheem had three. And what was funny about that game is Raheem knew he was like through like half of that game, he was a goose egg. And he was like worried about it. Like every person that we would start to shoot at and he didn't get the kill, he'd just go, oh man, oh no. (laughs) He was was just so concerned. And like at one point I was shooting at a guy that was like below a building and and Raheem was on the roof. And so I'm like, okay, good. The roof's clear. 
And then I'm shooting the guy below. I get shot from the guy on the roof and I, and I didn't know where it was coming from. And it was above me. And I'm like, he's on the roof. Like I thought we were on the roof. And Raheem was like, Oh man, I, I look away for one second. And, and, and there was a guy up there with him and Raheem kills him and then kills another guy and basically like makes it to where I don't die. And it was like, he only got like two or three kills that whole game, but I was joking that they were really important kills yeah. um, because he saved my ass. But um, I, as far as the number of wins, I think I have like 150, 160 wins somewhere in there. Um, that's about my number. Uh, my loadout that I always like to use um, lately, I've just been going with like the kilo with, you know, all the standard stuff, the suppressor, the grip, the bigger magazines, and then like an MP5. And that, you know, you can do anything with that. Um, but if you want to get more specifics, you can just, you can just hit me up. I'll, I'll send you some screenshots or you can jump on my stream, LT simple Jack on Twitch. Um, and, and watch me do the thing, you know, you can, you can see it. Strategy is just, if, if the strategy is winning, we're not very, not that we're not good at winning, but we will just, anybody that's on the radar, we will just constantly rush the whole time. And maybe we win, you know, we don't really like trying, we're not in it for the long haul, haul a lot of the times. Okay. <laughs> moving on. What time is okay? We can get it. You don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, never mind. No, before we move on, we're gonna get a quick word in from our sponsors. That way, we can get through our ad reads and get to the rest of these questions. So, coming at you first is DoorDash because you've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. Trust me, I know this. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering's easy. Open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, GK Factory, and way, 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 way more. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Right now, Strike and Gold listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order, zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday. Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. And in this case, it's Thursday because we're recording this on a Wednesday. And tomorrow is the very first NFL game of the 2020 season. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Cool. We're good. All right, how am I? How am I doing on those ad reads? Am I doing okay? Awesome. You made okay, me want to cool. buy stuff. All right, I need I need the gratification. I need the affirmation. The words of encouragement. All right. So 
we have Sonal Mekwan. Sorry if I butchered your name, but and it's at Sonal Meki. I like that. It's a good nickname, Meki. Um, so this one's for Rob. Actually, I'll, since I just answered the last one, um, I'll start with yours because there's one question for me, one question for you, and then one for both. So Eric, what was your experience like playing college ball? Uh, it it was different because you know I went the junior college route. So uh, I out of high school, coming from high school, I was struggling academically. Then I got to junior college and my mom moved out of town. So I thought it was, you know, a bright idea to get my own apartment when already, you know, I already wasn't a uh, responsible young man. So at the age of 18, me and my buddies, you know, we get an apartment. That went bad. Never went to class. I did play my freshman year at junior college, but I ended up flunking out. And then a few years later, I finally went back to junior college at the age of 21. And I did very well earning the scholarship. I had a bunch of um, Division II offers. I had some D1 schools check in, but I, I didn't have the time clock to be able to play or the grades. So I ended up uh, going to University of Arkansas, Monticello, where I'm at now. And yeah, it, it was interesting. It was a totally different like world, <laughs> you know, in the South. Uh, you know, being from California, you know, it's so diverse there. So, you know, coming to a place like, like this, you were either white or you were black. And I, and I wasn't used to seeing that. I'm used to seeing, you know, mixed people, you know, Hawaiians, Asians, Mexicans, all that. And, and I just didn't see that here. So it was a huge culture shock. Um, they're definitely behind a little bit on times with a lot of things. I mean, I think people think of like, you know, like racism and stuff like that. But really, like to me, the thing that jumped out was like, fashion and stuff like that. I'm like, man, girls in California wearing that like five years ago. So now it, it was just, it was different, but you know, I had a great time because, you know, it was just a great experience. Uh, that was my first time seeing anything outside of California. We traveled to, you know, a bunch of uh, nearby states, Oklahoma, Atlanta, Florida, you know, I went to spring break, which was like amazing uh, out in uh, Panama, Panama, Florida, Panama beach city or whatever it's called. Uh, and that was like something you see on like MTV Spring Break edition. Like that's exactly what it looked <laughs> like. That's how it was. It was it was it was dope, man. But uh, college was cool, man. Like it was a great experience. Uh, I got to go to university for a couple years, and and then you know obviously I went to go play you know in the Arena Football League after that. So uh, it was cool, man. A lot of a lot of you know different experiences. It, it was cool. My experience was, I mean. I didn't play college ball, but obviously my college experience was way different because, you know, I did the kind of the normal first two years of college. And then I decided to join the military and then my college became kind of all revolving around the military stuff. So it was, it was definitely different, but okay. Rob, my question, what made you want to teach art? Well, that was kind of, kind of natural. Like I've always loved drawing since I was a very, very small kid. I used to draw dinosaurs and X-Men all the time, um, you know, and all of my X-Men would look the same. Like this is real, real young. So like their feet would be like pointed out and all their jaws would be super square, you know, and like <laughs> like I had like a very specific way of drawing everything. I used to hum when I would draw, like my parents said I would kind of hum like little tunes or sometimes like the sounds of the thing I was drawing, you know, and I Jurassic Park came out when I was seven years old, which mm -hmm. is it's incredible, by the way. Go back and watch that movie. Greatest special effects of all time. 
um, because that is that movie is almost 30 years old now and uh, still looks better than a lot of stuff made today. So if you ever wanted to know what my, my vote for the greatest special effects of all time, it's Jurassic Park and it's not close. Um, Independence Day was pretty good, like for back in the day. It is. It actually is. It is. That is a that's a really good uh, addition to the conversation because a lot of that stuff in Independence Day, especially the fire scenes with the buildings exploding and you know the alien battles and stuff, like some of it was that was also really really super well done. Um, so I've always been drawing all my life, and the moment art classes became available in like seventh grade, I started taking them. I took art in seventh grade, eighth grade, and then when I got to high school, you could take multiple levels of art. Like, you know, your freshman year you took art one, and then your sophomore year art two, and the art the art got more complicated. Um, and I did all that, and then I was making a lot of really good stuff. And then when I got to college, I was like, when when I was able to start taking art classes, I did. And then I kind of switched it over to graphic design, which is kind of more of like computer art because I felt like it would be like a better kind of focus than like just keeping taking regular art classes, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, I always kind of knew I wanted to be a teacher too. So they kind of blended themselves together, you know, and when it came time to get my credentials, I made sure I had one to teach like language, literature, and history, which is called a multiple subject credential. And then I also at the same time got my credential in art so that if, uh, if I knew that getting an art job right out the gate would be difficult because most art teachers, um, when they get art jobs, they're going to retire in that job because it's a great job and it's what they want to do. Um, so I, I needed to be sure that I, I covered my basis. Like I did not think that I would be able to just go straight into an art job. So, um, but I got lucky and after college, you know, I did my time in the military and then, uh, immediately got my teaching credentials and my master's degree and then was able to step right into an art teaching job. And since my dad was already an art teacher in the district, he was kind of like keeping me up to date on when, you know, a teacher might be retiring and what job you need to start angling for and stuff. And I was able to step right into it. And, you know, it kind of all came together a lit a bit easier than I probably deserved. You know, I still had to work really, really hard to get my teaching credentials and pass all those tests and stuff. But, you know, I just stepped right into an art job that was a perfect fit for me. And I got to coach football and baseball and everything's just worked out really well, you know, so it's, I got lucky, very lucky. So that, you know, the, the wanting to teach art is, is comes from, I've always loved art. I've always done art stuff. And, uh, you know, then my, both my parents were teachers, so I kind of wanted to do that. So I just blended them together. Um, so this is for both of us, Croc. What is your favorite sports team sport? Excuse me. What's your favorite sport slash team to watch outside of 49ers football? You, you can go ahead, Croc. What do you think? Lakers? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Lakers. Now, there okay. was a time when it was San Francisco Giants, and that was when, like, Barry Bonds and Jeff Kinn and J.T. Snow. And, I was just going to say, J.T. Snow, baby. Yeah, you know, Richard Aurelia, like, Bill Mueller, like, I, I Ellis Burks, like, Marvin Menard. Like, I, I knew the whole team. Like, um, and when when those guys were all there, definitely the the Giants had, San Francisco Giants had priority over, over the Lakers, but... Um, it's always been I've always been like a three sport guy like to to watch 49ers, Giants and Lakers and I'm I'm pretty equally passionate about all three teams. I've been a Laker fan like all my life so uh any of those teams man like if those teams if they're playing 
like I'm I'm probably watching it. Now it's different here in Arkansas. I just was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, babe, like, what are we gonna do? We're not we're not in our we're not in our, you know, uh stocked in, which you know, it's gonna show 49er games, Raider games, Giants games, and out here, I don't know what they what are they gonna show? I don't remember when I was I think uh maybe the Cowboys. I think that's whose area I might be in. I think the Cowboys, I think I was like the Cowboys and like the Saints. I think I'm in kind of like that area or whatever. But anyways, it's not 49ers. So I got to figure something out. I was just Googling earlier today, like, are there any sports bars nearby? There's no sports bars in the town that I'm in. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I, I was just talking to my wife about like, do we get direct TV <laughs> so we can like watch our teams play? So we'll, we'll see how we how we work around it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball at this question here, and I'm gonna try and stick to my dorky per video game persona. And right now, the most it's not necessarily a sport. I'm not gonna call it a sport, um, but it's competitive, and that's uh, the the Call of Duty League. And and if you have you have to watch it, you have to see it. And I think even you would appreciate it, Croc. Uh, it's it's professional Call of Duty players, and it's it, you know they have. Basically every other weekend. Now the season just ended and they had a huge two week long bracket tournament and how you did throughout the season determined where you were on that bracket. And you know, it's, it's three different game types and it's, it's call of duty, but it's the best call of duty players in the world. And the strategy and the competitiveness of competitiveness behind it is unreal. Like, especially if you get into some, into games and stuff, you know, whatever game you're into, like, let's say if it was Madden for you, Croc, or something like you, you know, when you watch a professional Madden player, how good they are at that game type of deal. And this is the same thing, but with Call of Duty and the way the, the broadcast works is you can constantly see all the players even through walls and the people playing can't see them, but you just can constantly see all the strategy going into it. What player is where, what angle are they watching? You know, all of this stuff. And it's so competitive. And so I became a really big Chicago Huntsman fan. Uh, that's one of the teams and they're from they're like I said, Chicago. And uh, so I've been really into that. I was really into that this season. It's just a really cool, different scene. Um, if I had to go with something other than that, I'd probably go with, um, Shoot, man, I mean, I really don't stretch. I mean, if I have to watch it, though, I would say, you know, my own football team that I coach, but that doesn't really count. I don't really watch them. I mean, I sort of do, but so I'm, I'm going to go with the CDL for now. I'm just going to stick with that because that and if you've never seen it, you, I could show you some some crazy moments from it that you probably understand. OK, next one. Um, thank you for those questions, Sonal, by the way. Those are outstanding questions. Um, Antonio McFly says, which video game are you guys owning anyone that plays against you? Crocker, which video game are you just destroying anybody in? You have utmost confidence. Yeah, I mean, I've only been playing Madden for the last few years, which I, I was really, I mean, I've, I've always played Madden, but I mean, like, as far as, like, different variety of games I've been playing, like, I've only been playing Madden. Uh, I was really big on 2K. And there was one point, there was one 2K I played real, I played a lot online and I was like 150 and like five online. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I was like good in, in 2K because, you know, playing uh, pro ball when we were out, you know, I think people, when they think about like, you know, NFL and, you know, these different leagues, man, like you're out kind of early. So 
it's not like a regular nine to five. It's like you get in early, you do your stuff, and then you go home. So, I mean, I was typically home around 1 or 2 p.m. And then it's like, okay, well, what do I do now? And we would just play video games, 2K for money and stuff like that. So, at, at that point, I was... I was really good in 2K and in college, I was really good in Call of Duty. Not not like, you know, the professional guys you just spoke about, but um I was really good. But as far as right now, any game, yeah, Madden I'm pretty good. I don't think I put enough time and effort into it like I used to to be like like, oh, I could just take anybody, but I'm still pretty good to where like, you know, I'll beat most people that I play. And obviously, I think the, the the answer is probably obvious for me. I mean, it's definitely Call of Duty. I've been really, really good at Call of Duty since, you know, and, and I was, Halo came around before Call of Duty. And I played Halo so much that I actually had an opportunity to go pro at, in Halo 2. Not necessarily be guaranteed a pro spot, but they wanted me to compete for a spot on their pro team that would essentially, you know, I would attend events with this team and play in tournaments and you know, the winnings we would keep, we would have had sponsors and stuff like that. So I was really, really good at halo and, and that just the nature of that game made me very, very good at call of duty. And obviously I don't play near as much nowadays. I had to become an adult and own a house and get a job and stuff. Um, but there was once a time in my life where I would get home at like four 30 in the morning because I would play halo all night uh, with my friends and then my dad would be like just going to the gym before he'd go to work. And he would be like, hey, good morning, son. And I'd be like, good night, dad. And I would go to sleep, um, you know, until like 10 or 11 a.m. So I used to play like crazy. But so I would definitely go with Call of Duty now because uh, that's what I've been playing over the last, you know, whatever, however many years. And just to give you a little perspective, there was one time about five or six years ago, um, I was at my girlfriend's house um, at the time. And she had a big group of friends over. And two of the guys were like just super talking shit on me and they were like i heard you're going to call of duty i'll whoop your ass you know like you know video <laughs> game you know it's not like real they didn't want to fight me but it was two it was two of them that were both saying the same thing and they weren't saying like at the same time but i was like all right fine 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 i will play both of you at the same time and i beat them 25 to 2 and they were absolutely silent while it was happening and it was like it was that because it was at that time that like I realized one I was pretty good at it and two I they just realized that they were wrong <laughs> you know like yeah. everybody loves to, everybody loves to talk shit until they get put in the position where they have to back it up and they just didn't realize how good I was and I just obliterated them you know and and it was it was just funny so that was my little experience with there's always somebody out there that thinks they're confident in what they're about to do. But it's when it comes time for, you know, the rubber to meet the road that you really see it. And obviously this was just video games, but it's the same thing with other things. Everybody talks mm -hmm. a big talk, but everybody can talk a big talk until someone punches you in the face. So yep. um, anyways, OK, this is a good one. And, and I'm going to let you lead the way on this, Crocker, because I. OK, anyways, this is from Jared Brown. Good friend, Jared Brown, friend of the pod, friend of me. Um used to write for Niners Wire when I was writing for Niners Wire. Great guy. All around just phenomenal dude. Has done some work with Bleacher Report and Matt Miller doing scouting stuff. He He's currently a head coach at a, at a, a Bay Area high school. Um, he's a good dude. Um, but he, here's his question. With a QB of Rob's choice, I don't care who the quarterback would be, as long as it was a good one, 
And with Crocker playing DB, how many catches would Rob have versus Crocker in 10 reps of (laughs) one-on-one? So you would have to tell me how you think I would fare. Because I know that you obviously would be very confident. But, you know, I mean, I don't want to sell myself short. But I also want to have respect for your ability. You're talking about a guy who spent some time on an NFL roster. Might not have been a long time, but it was time at the pinnacle of our, of this, you know, this thing. Whereas I've dominated flag football tournaments, <laughs> like you know. So <laughs> it, I, I don't know, man. Do you think I would get like? Do you think I'd get like two or three? So. So at this age, I'm kind of like Richard Sherman. <laughs> so like, if if you have good quickness and vertical speed, like you you can probably get me. You know, a few that's times. not my. Those are not my strengths. But if it's not, have, you you might be in trouble. You might. You I might, have. You might be here are trouble. my strengths. No bullshit. Okay, I'm definitely not fast anymore. But I was never fast. I can run really good routes. I understand. From think of like an Anquan Bolden, okay? Not as good, obviously, but not fast. Runs great routes, has good hands. That's that's like the closest comparison that you guys would know for my skill set. So that would I'm be still about pretty it. athletic. So you you would have to you would have to really get me like at the top of a route because because I can feel routes. Like I I I just know what routes feel like. And if you aren't really running fast, then I'm going to feel what your route is that's coming. So you're going to have to, like, play a mind game to where it's like, I know he knows what's coming, so I'm going to do the opposite of what I should be doing. Like, it would have to be something like that. Some Uh, next level shit. Yeah, to kind of get me. If if you can't. I'm not not running any bullshit. Like double moves, I'm not doing any of that because that doesn't have a place in one-on-ones. You know, right. it would just be your standard route tree. I I would give myself maybe two or three. I mean, right now I'm like, how tall are you, Croc? You're like six one, six two, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm right around the same size. I'm at about like right now. I'm about like two thirty, two hundred thirty pounds. So I have some weight to throw around. I could be physical, but like. Yeah, I would say I'd probably maybe get like two or three. And that's just because you have to have respect for what a corner has to do. Like everything a corner has to do is reactive for the most part. So you get lucky every now and then and shit like that. But it would be a, the Crocker show 100%. Like, <laughs> I, that's like, you know, I compare that question to those guys that thought they could beat me in Call of Duty. Like, yeah, at some, you know point, at some point, you have to respect the level of skill that somebody else has and you acting like you would be good is like disrespectful to the work it takes to get to that point. Even though Crocker hasn't done that for a long time, but he's been doing his 100, 100 in the mornings and doing his CrossFit. So he's in better shape than me. And, you know, maybe I'll get a a quick slant or something, (laughs) but, but like, dude, I'm not like, it's not happening. Now, if I'm playing off, you might be able to. Yeah, you you have a good like. If you if he were to say like, all right, and, and Croc, you have to play off coverage. You you get a few catches. Now, see with me and the way I kind of feel like I'm a I'm a pretty strong guy. Like I'm physically strong. Like when I was working out a lot more than I am now. Like 
I maybe weighed like 190 and I was maxing out at like 340 pounds on the bench, but I was well-rounded. Like I was, I'm a very powerful guy. I know that I'm like wasting my genes. So in, in my opinion, I would actually maybe be okay with you playing press because I would, it would have a little bit to, to do with, obviously you do need quickness, you need a good release, but there'd be a little contact where I felt like maybe I could use a little bit of my power to just get lucky. You know, well, this, but this is the issue. This is the issue with that. Like my my philosophy on press coverage isn't to like try to overpower you. It's just to stay as close to you throughout a route as possible. And you wouldn't have any problem tight close to me. Throw. So like yeah. my that's my that's all I want to do. Like is just stay with him to where wherever the quarterback's gonna have to make a perfect pass. And if I feel routes like I typically do. I, I I'll probably jump some of them, so that, yeah. that that would be the that would be the issue there. Yeah, no, like I think you, I think like I, I would try be, to muscle. Yeah. I wouldn't try to like I w- I wouldn't try to like muscle you at the line of scrimmage. I, I wouldn't do. No, but you would use that as an opportunity to just close the distance, and now you're right on me, and it's up to me to create some separation. And for a guy that is probably running like a five point one second forty, you know, like it ain't happening. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, my, my, if I'm have to go out of 10, I think I'd be lucky to get two or three, but, um, I might not even get that, but you got to remember that like, it, it goes with anything that has a professional level, like the amount of like the pyramid and the amount of people that make it to that point are just so like, you just have to respect the skill that comes with it. And you know, Joe Schmo art teacher off the street is going to come out there and, and just have success. You know, it's just, just doesn't work like that. So, okay, next one. Uh, a little more serious, something I would normally avoid talking about, but I didn't necessarily say any questions were off topic. But um, Yuli, um, Absolute is his Twitter tag. He says, as a veteran, how did the claims of DJT comments affect you? I'm assuming that's Donald J. Trump. Is that DJT? Well, because I know he's recently under fire. I know it's not Dow Jones transportation. (laughs) Um, Now, I did see some of it. Okay. So. All right. So if 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 the, the 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 loose attention I paid to the the headlines, you gotta understand with a question like this. There are so many levels of of my thinking and my outlook that would keep me from reacting to this type of thing. Essentially, apparently Trump said, you know, veteran, you know, veterans that, you know, service members that died in Vietnam were idiots because it was a stupid war. And, you know, like there was there's other things. But you got to understand that. One, I don't take anything published by the mainstream media very seriously, unless it's clearly happening now stuff like i have such a deep disdain for most of the media and the way they they run their business that it's very hard for me and you can interject at any time with your feelings croc because i don't want to just be the only one that talks about this um just because i'm a veteran i i just have I, I just, it's so hard for me to take anything they publish seriously. And there are definitely things that get published that should be taken seriously. 
but the amount of time these mainstream media companies spend peddling, for lack of a better term, bullshit, it it has poisoned me to when they are trying to cover legitimate things. So it's hard for me to look at things and take them seriously when you see kind of how the big picture is. And the same thing with me goes for politics. Like politicians in general, I have a pretty much universal disdain for. I hate the state of American politics. It is 100% holding us back. It is this two-team, my side, your side, I will oppose you no matter what, I'm better than you shit show in this country, and it's it's disgusting to me, and it's hindering progress. Like, that is my feelings. And again, I, this all relates to his question. So when it comes to something that relates to politics, I still am like, get me as far away from this as you can, because it's just everything is so disingenuous, and it's so, like, herd mentality, like, it, it like grosses me out talking about it. And you're talking, like I said, somebody who has served in our country. But the way I looked at my service, and this kind of will lead into the overall question, is I wanted to play a role defending the things that make this country what it is, even if in some ways we have lost our way. I, want, I wanted to play a role in defending the things that make this country what it is and the good things it was established behind and, and things like that. Like I had a more, much more deep, reason for joining the military. Um, And in all reality, I watched the Band of Brothers series and I saw what World War II veterans were asked to do and the incredible commitments they made. And I felt like, and this is just for me, I'm not, I don't pass these thoughts on to anybody else. Um, But I just felt like if I didn't do something, I would feel insufficient and unworthy, you know? So when I saw what, when I started to learn more about what soldiers have done in history, I was like, Man, these guys have put so much on the line so that I could be sitting here right now. I have to do something too. So that's how that came about. But when, so if 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 we're we're narrowing things down to the bare bones reality that let's say Donald Trump did say these things, disparaging veterans for the wars that they fought in because they were stupid wars. To me, you have to, and, I, and this is my recommendation or my request of everybody listening to this. You should try to separate your political aspirations, your political leanings, which direction you tend to travel. Try to separate that from a veteran and your appreciation for what they have done or chose to do. Because it takes a very, very, very unique person to have a desire to put themselves in harm's way for the sake of other people. And this is not anything to do with me. I'm just telling you my thoughts on veterans. Like it takes a very special person to step forward and say, take me, I'll do it. Where do you need me? You know, and, and you should have respect for anybody who chose to do that. And this is a, you know, it, it just, it's a certain, it, it tells you what, what a man has in his core, you know, when, when he volunteers to do something like that. And if Donald Trump, Trump did say those things, then shame on him because you're devaluing the sacrifice somebody made just so that you could um, maintain the life that you have and maintain, you know, what you're supposed to have in the future. So 
I don't think anybody should ever disparage veterans. Obviously, there's plenty of veterans, you know, just kind of how we're looking at law enforcement right now that are bad people. That's just humanity in general. But the I, the most veterans that I met when I was in the service are some of the smartest, most passionate people I've ever met. And they believe in why they're there and the fact that they get to be that first line of defense for whatever whatever evil might come our way. And that should be separated from the political parts of war and whether or not we should be in a certain place. Because as a soldier, we have no control over that. You know, that that's just kind of the unfortunate nature of international relations and and, you know, the, the the downfall of man type of thing. But, you know, I just believe that everybody should show. It doesn't mean you have to stand for the anthem. That's not respect for veterans mean. I'm a veteran. If you want to protest during the national anthem, be my guest. That is why I do my thing for you. Um, so you have the right to do that. And, you know, but anyways, I don't want to ramble too much. But I just I as far as that question goes, I believe anybody should learn to separate appreciation for veterans and what they have volunteered to do for you and the political parts of, of war and stuff like that. So hopefully, does that make sense? Does that all make no, sense? No, definitely. Definitely makes sense. Okay. That's just how I think about it. And there's, you got to also understand there's minutia and little details to everything. Nothing's ever that simple, but I've only got, this is a short podcast, so yeah. I don't want to talk forever. I could talk for hours on that one. Um, but, and, and I guess we're, we're, I think this is asked by the same person. So let me, um, let me find this question. Cause it was actually not asked in the same spot. Um, it is. So yeah, absolute. We have absolute must be, you know, a political type of, you know, obviously he's into the politics, but this one's for Crocker. Um, a few months back, Croc voiced his dissent with California gun laws. When did you voice your dissent? Was that on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. I tweeted it. Out. Okay. I don't know how I missed that. Um, what laws specifically would he like to see changed or overturned? So my, I don't know too much about, about gun laws. What I was really responding or tweeting about was the fact that I'm in Arkansas and because I, you know, was a California resident and, you know, moved out here, I could not purchase a handgun with my California ID. Now, now that I'm an Arkansas resident, obviously I can go and I can purchase a, a handgun, rifle, you know, whatever I want. But also I can go with my Arkansas ID to Mississippi or New Orleans and I can buy a gun there and bring it back here as long as it's permitted in the state of Arkansas. But no matter what, with my California ID, because I was from California, you know, being in Arkansas or being out of state, being out of the state of California, I just could not purchase a gun at all. So I just thought that that was pretty stupid. <laughs> and I was like, man, like, this is stupid. The fact that I can't purchase a gun because I have a California ID, you know, and, you know, anywhere you're at, you know, you want to be able to protect yourself, protect your family. That's why I have firearms. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of, I wasn't able to do that. So I had to go, I had to do a bunch of different things to get registered uh, or not register, but get um, my uh, ID, you know, driver's license and everything in the state of Arkansas. And then boom, once I got that, I was able to go over to the gun store. Then now, yeah, I was able to purchase, you know, uh, firearms. But yeah, I just thought it was just kind of like, damn, like, and, and the way they made it sound, California just has really strict gun laws. And 
like even the handgun that I purchased, my Beretta, you know, it holds 17 rounds and that's illegal in California. Like, so, you know, my gun, I, I can't even, it wouldn't even be allowed in, in California. You know, it'd be illegal there. So, you know, just, just things like that. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can relate to a lot of that too. Cause you know, I'm former military. I own many firearms, a, a few of the firearms that I owned, when I brought to California, I had to change parts of them because they became, they were legal in Texas, but not legal in California. And, you know, it, it's a lot of it just seemed very silly and very trivial. Like when there, there's like for my AR-15, there's the laws that are written to make it to where the guns have to be a certain way. It, it even in the law re- list talks about evil features. Like you can't have, you know, the rear grip on your AR-15 because it's an evil feature and you can't have a, a, um, you know, like a certain type of muzzle brake, which is at the end of the gun where the bullet comes out um, because it's an evil feature, you know? And like, so, and I, and I always read that. I'm like, evil feature. What are you talking about? Like, this doesn't do, taking this off doesn't do anything. I could take this. I could not have what you're talking about at all, let alone the one you think I should have, I could just take it off and everything's still going to work the same. Like, what are you talking right. about? Like, <laughs> and so California has this huge laundry list of things that you cannot own. It has a very short list of things that are allowed to be owned. And, you know, that was what was preventing you from owning something elsewhere because you were a California resident still. You had to go by California gun laws, even though you were somewhere else. And the, the only way I was able to buy what I wanted to is because I was a member of the military. And, um, with, with your, when you're in the military, wherever you are stationed is where you are a resident for that time. That, and that is to prevent, you know, military members move like every three years usually. And you would have to just keep applying for residency in all these different places. So all you have to do is show where you're stationed and that counts as your residency. But yeah, California is, is as far as and and many of you listening are probably just fine with this because that's just what your opinions are but as far as firearm ownership California is probably and New York I believe are probably the two absolute worst states um as far as what you're allowed to get a lot of it is very very silly and if you if you are experienced with firearms you know you know how to operate them a lot of the laws are just very very silly and you can tell a lot of them are written by people who've never really have any experience with firearms they just kind of you know stuff like that but and you know the crazy thing is as lenient as they are here in uh, Arkansas especially in the town that I'm in they don't have any crime like so everybody has guns everybody has you know rifles handguns shotguns you know whatever it is and I think they have like one murder per year or one murder. Nobody is coming through that door. If they know that somebody on the other side (laughs) has, has a firearm, like if they, if the chances are good now, obviously, you know, this, there's just, just a firearm being present can lend itself to all kinds of unfortunate circumstances. But you know, that's just that my view on firearms is, 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 you know, I want to be safe with them. I want to be well-trained with them. And I look at it as just like I kind of did my military service. Like I look at it as a duty, like I have a duty to protect this household and my girlfriend and my eventual kids. And if I have not equipped myself to properly execute that, like if, if I know there's a chance that somebody can come in my door and be better equipped to kill 
than I am, then I have, I feel like I've failed. You know, like if I just had a baseball bat and the person that's coming into my home has a gun, I have immediately failed. Like I have failed my family and, you know, and and I understand that it kind of goes into the general state of the world. Like firearms are a thing they're around and we can kind of run from them. And you are obviously well within your right to not own one, but I just don't want to be put in a position where I feel like I've failed the people around me you know, by not protecting them because that's the world we live in. I feel like the odds are going to be, if somebody's going to come in my house, the odds are going to be pretty good. They're They're going to be armed because they're willing to do that. So what, what is my choice? Just hope they don't hope I can lock the door or barricade myself or something like that's just how I feel about it. I'm not like I'm, I'm very, very, you know, pro gun ownership, but I'm not one of those crazy camo guys that just feels like any, any gun law ever made is, against my rights or something like that. I still think there should be all kinds of common sense stuff, but you know, it's, I think California in a lot of ways is kind of like its own worst enemy and, and kind of like the stuff that happens. It'd be like the way I look at it. And this is still in in many ways, a horrible example um, because cars are meant to be driven and guns are, are meant to, you know, basically kill. Um, but like the way I look at a lot of the stuff California does is, Something something happens with a gun or, or somebody is, is very anti-gun. And so they create laws that really are only going to matter to people that are going to follow them in the beginning. And then like, it'd be like if you were driving and somebody got in a really bad car accident, drove drunk and killed uh, a van full of people. And it was horrible. And then they were like, well, if this person just wasn't driving so fast, there this accident wouldn't have been near as bad. So now let's go ahead and make sure that none of these cars can go over 50 miles an hour. Okay, like, you know, and and so everybody that didn't have anything to do with that incident is now like, wait, 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 what do you mean? Like, I can go (laughs) 65 and be perfectly safe. And again, I acknowledged in the beginning of this that cars and guns aren't necessarily don't have anything in common. But it's like all these things that keep these laws and things that keep being put into practice. They really only affect it's a a very small percentage of people that are like not using it the right way. Right. And like, you know, it's just, sometimes it's a little disappointing, but I, I understand a lot of it. Areas. It's happening in certain areas more so than other places. So I think the bigger thing there, and now that's kind of getting into politics, but those areas have to figure out how to, you know, how to limit the crime that's going on there and what's the best way to go about it. I don't think a gun law, you know, is going to stop someone that had like, you know what I'm saying? Like if somebody wants to create a crime, them having my handgun with 17 rounds or, you know, the California uh, one where it's like 10 rounds, it's not, it's not really, it's not going to make a difference. They're still going to be able to commit the same crime that they want to create, commit. Right, so and then you just have to change the thought process of that person wanting to, uh, you know, do the crime. That that's where it has to stop, not like the, the actual like gun. Right, and I and I generally agree. And you know, there's all kind. You know, we can talk for hours on that. And again, where our goal right now is not to get into politics or stuff like that. That's right. just what the question was, and I I wasn't I didn't tell anybody they couldn't ask any type of question. So. We're going to answer it to the best of our abilities and be honest with y'all and, and stuff like that. So um, I think 
I'm looking around trying to make sure that that's the end of our questions. But I think that might be it. I mean, we did get a question that was flip-flops or slides, and the obvious answer was slides. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Or Crocs. Right. Oh, yeah, or Crocs. And for you, that means even more because, you know, your your name is Crocs. (laughs) Uh, There was one more question by Colin Seymour. He asked me uh, what my favorite Tool album was. And um, if you didn't know, I'm a huge Tool fan. Uh, they're a definitely acquired taste, but they've been, a, they're a band that's been around for, you know, well over 20 years and they, um, sell out arenas. They're incredibly popular. They're, they're very, I just went and saw them kind of right before COVID happened just a little, maybe a month before it, I think. And, you know, they save Mart center 20, I don't know how many thousands of people it holds, uh, but they completely sell out arenas. You know, they could probably do if they wanted to like a, a stadium tour if they want, um, cause they probably have enough people. Normally when they do a tour, they, they sell out arenas in, a, in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, so they're a pretty big deal as far as the rock scene goes. But um, they're definitely unique rock. Their songs are like 10 minutes long. You know, they're just different than everything else. Um, but if I had my favorite Tool album, and I understand a lot of you guys are going to have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But I'd have to go Anima, which is their like, which is considered their like bursting onto the scene album. But it would be almost tied with their next album that's called lateralis that's that's right up that might be my favorite for me but they're like neck and neck and i'm not going to talk long on that because i know that there's probably not that many tool fans listening right now that want to hear me talk about this but yeah. um anima and lateralis for me are like neck and neck but hopefully that that does it for you colin shout out to colin with the tool question but i don't know man i mean dang dude i feel like I mean, we're already at like an hour and 10 minutes and I feel like we could just keep talking and talking and talking <laughs> when it, when in the, when, you know, when the subject matter is completely open, it's, you could go on and on, but I do, I, I did check. I believe we were, I believe that was it. I believe that was all our questions. And I appreciate everybody who did ask a question. Um, I appreciate you guys for just, you know, listening and helping be with us, even for the serious questions, hopefully our answers, hopefully you at least have an open mind enough to hear somebody else's opinion and that not change the way you feel about Crocker and I, because it shouldn't, that should not be the way the world works. And that's part of the problem I was talking about. So hopefully it's all good. Um, and you didn't mind listening to us talk random stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of like a, of a random question that I could ask you to uh, to close our pod. Okay. Here's one. And it's super, super might be a little touchy feely uh, or I mean like heartstrings, but who is your hero Crocker? Who's your hero? Uh, My hero. Uh, (laughs) I probably shouldn't have to think about it like that, but I think the first person that really comes to mind, there are a lot of people that I like. You know, I love and I think had like a big hand in, you know, just my mindset, like my my big brother, you know, he made me into the like the competitor that I am. Uh, Man, but I'd say hero, my big cousin Tyrone. And the reason why is because he always pushed me to be better, like just as a human, like. Aside from football, he, I mean, he played football. He played a couple years in the NFL and everything. And, but aside from all of that, uh, he just always pushed me and challenged me to, like, be a better man, father, husband, 
be, you know, have a better relationship relationship with, you know, the Lord. And, you know, he always calls me to, you know, just to check on me and ask me how, you know, all of those things are doing. And, you know, he just, yeah. So I, I'd have to say Tyrone, I'd have to say he's my, he he's my hero. And I never looked at it like that. I look at him like a brother, but uh, yeah, I think he would, he would be closer. It's close between him and my big brother, but Tyrone, he, you know, just did, it's just a different level of, of kind of challenging me to be, to be a better man. And I really, really, really appreciate that, you know, for him and just the things that he, you know, accomplishes in his life. And I've always looked to him as like the model, like the, the, like, okay, I, I, this is how I should live. Like I, I should live my life this way. Not saying I want to live like my life like him, but I see the the things that he's gotten in his life. And I don't think that any of it is by coincidence. It's by, you know, just doing the right thing and treating people right and things like that. And, you know, he's, he's, you know, and he always tells me, you know, we talk about marriage and things like that, you know, the, you know, disagreements with, you know, your, your, your significant other and everything and just kind of how to go about it. And he, he gets me just to, he challenges me to think, outside the box on a lot of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I'd say Tyrone, definitely probably my hero, for sure. Well, that's awesome, dude. I'm glad I asked you that question. Because it seemed, you know, you had a good answer for it. And I just felt like we should end on a, you know, a real question. Get off the, get off the politics and get into your heart, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, so what about so, you? I mean, you got to answer it before we uh, cut out. Okay, who's my hero? I mean, it's it's so... It's so stereotypical, but I just, I would have to go with my dad. Like, you know, my dad is like, he, you know, he's still alive and he's, you know, he's an art teacher too, but in like every way, shape or form. And I could very easily say my mom too, because I was very, very fortunate that I, I had two amazing parents that were all, you know, that are still married and provided me a, a life that, that ever, frankly, everybody should have, but that's not always the case. Um, but my dad is just, he's always been the person that showed me like, like what right and wrong is and gave me a moral compass and, and taught me the value of sticking to that, even in situations where it may not benefit you. And, you know, he always just talked about how that you have to all your, everything you always do, you're going to have to like, you're all one day, you're going to have to justify that or rectify that with yourself. And you're going to know inside of you, whether or not that was the right or the wrong thing to do. And, and, you know, he said, he always just used to always talk about like, you're just going to need to make things, you need to do things to make them right with yourself. Because if you can't appreciate yourself, no one is ever going to appreciate you. So, you know, and he just, I feel like he did such a good job at making sure that, that I knew what right was almost all the time, you know, and to this day, like, you know, just little things like I bought a new TV and he immediately came over and helped me and in, install an outlet behind the TV so that we got, I could hide all the wires and it was super badass. And so all it does is look like a TV sitting on my wall with like no wires or anything. But he he just he put it upon himself to make sure he knew how to do and fix almost anything so that whatever problems I would have or we would my family would have, he could fix them. You know, he was just always in the yard doing work, making sure the place looked nice. And like, I literally just watched him and the amount of work he put into life in general. And I was like, okay, this is how I need to do this. Like, this is the way I need to be. 
you know, and, and he was just always very honest and upfront with me. And I just felt like he had the most, he played the biggest role in molding me into the person I am, you know, and that's just, to me, I feel like, you know, I feel like he did a good job and, you know, while I'm definitely not perfect, I feel like he gave me legs to stand on and, and I wouldn't have, have been able to, to accomplish any of the things I did without him kind of guiding me along the way. And, you know, and, um, you, you lost your dad not even that long ago, right? Uh, like, yeah. 2000, you doing your, right. So, I mean, you know, I know, and I know that you and your dad were close friends. So, you know, I, in the back of my head, I know that day will, will once come and that'll be hard for me to get over, but I'm just glad that I've had him in my life for so long. And he's just given me, you know, like whenever that day does come, I know that I will, I'll be confident in the things that he taught me moving forward, you know, that I can, I can forge my own way and, you know, start my own family and know the way it should be done. So. Yeah. I think the tough thing for me was my, me and my father, like we didn't have a great relationship with me growing up. Like I always knew I loved him, but you know, he was in and out of jail on drugs, you know, all type of things. So I would go long periods without talking to him. It wasn't until I was about 18 years old where we really started to develop, you know, a great, uh, you know, father, son, you know, relationship. And to the point where by the time I was 23, 24 years old, we were best friends, like literally best friends. And then boom, just passed away. So I wish I would, I would have had more years of that, but you know, in life, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, I, you know, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Well, I mean, at least you got to, uh, you got to have that relationship with him before it was too late, you know, right. you know, at least, right. at least that, that came at some point and, and not never. Cause that would have just, I'm sure that would have been something that bugged you for, for probably the rest of your life. Right. You know, if you yeah. would have never gotten to that point, but anyways, so that's, that's striking gold this week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed, uh, the, the off the wall random episode. Basically it was like, kind of like, our last hurrah for all the summer madness we've all been enduring. Um, just something off the wall. And then, you know, maybe tomorrow we jump back on here or at the very least latest Friday. Um, and we'll talk regular season football and the fact that the 49ers are about to play their first, first football game of the 2020 season on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals divisional matchup against the surging team and the 49ers who obviously the expectations are Super Bowl. You know, that's just how good that team is. So we'll hit that up a little later this week. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode and and, 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 and and all its glory and its awkwardness or whatever you felt while listening to it. But as always, I appreciate you guys tuning in. You can get me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. You can get Croc at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, that's it for us uh, for another episode. And I, I, again, I'll say it over and over. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, we will catch you in a couple days when we break down the start of the 2020 season. But for now, this is Striking Gold signing out. The wait is finally over. Football's back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. 
You can get in on their season opening days, bonuses today, and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.